0: What's up, church planters, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, what's up, man? How
1: are you doing? I'm doing well. If we can get these technological difficulties ironed out uh, that we've been having. uh, And, you know, it's one of these things um, for all of you who who are listening and maybe this is your first time. You don't know that I am in Iceland and Jared is in Washington, D.C. And so therefore, there's a vast amount of time and uh, distance between us. uh, Maybe not time, but time zones. Oh, yeah. We're a few time zones. About four hours. Yeah. And you guys are about to change time zones, which we don't do here in Iceland. (laughs) So we're going to be five hours apart, actually. We will. And so that'll be fun trying to schedule around uh, Mm. the podcast. But yeah, man, no, things here are uh, amazing. We uh, recently were able to plant Redeemer City Church to the praise of God this past Sunday. So October the 25th, Redeemer City Church of Reykjavik uh, actually covenanted as a local uh, church family man, that is awesome.
0: Praise God for that. And I mean, that's, that's a huge deal when you think about, I mean, when you just think about the state of, uh, you know, the evangelical church in Iceland, there's very few uh, faithful gospel preaching churches there in the entire country of Iceland. So the fact that a new church has been started and, and birthed is really uh, just worthy of a lot of praise uh, towards
1: God. I mean, yeah, that's awesome, man. Super exciting news. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, thank you for, I mean, thank you for your personal, um, just your friendship and prayers through this, as well as Pillar Church of DC and the support that you guys have given uh, Carla and I and the church. I mean, it's just one of those things that when you really pause and think about all of the people and churches uh, that were involved in getting us to this point. Uh, And then when we get to hear, I mean, really the the testimonies of the saints who uh, covenanted together on Sunday, and we were able to hear from two of the church members share their testimonies uh, actually at the service, it's just so uh, incredible just seeing the way that God Um, seeks and saves people and Mm -hmm. what he saves them from. And it's awesome to have a local church that he saves them to, you know, that is this expression of his family where we all get to do life together as we seek to be more like Jesus, Um, you know, make disciples. So it was great. It was just uh, a blessed, Sunday. And now uh, it was one of these things I've had a few people ask me, was I really excited? I was like, of course I was excited. But similar to advice I give premarital counseling couples, it's like, I mean, yes, the wedding ceremony is a big deal, but really the work begins like the day after that's Mm -hmm. when you're really doing the relationship and you're in the covenant and you're figuring it out. So now, you know, all of the, the hype uh, is not, you know, <laughs> it's not past, uh, but now it's now we actually get to be a church. Yep. We get to do life together. That's
0: right. That's right. I mean, it's definitely a momentous occasion, but you're right, it's just the beginning of a journey. Um, but it's an exciting one, man. Um, I mean, there's, and I hope that our listeners will be praying for uh, Logan and his wife, Carla, and uh, for uh, Redeemer City Reykjavik there, and just this this new church plant that's been started. I, I hope that you guys will pray for them and pray for uh, the nation of Iceland. Uh, the vast majority of people there do not know Christ, and most of them have honestly never even heard the gospel before, uh, and so just be praying that the gospel will spread uh, rapidly in advance and that more churches will be planted there in the nation of Iceland, and, and just pray for the faithful believers who are there uh, laboring, because we know that the the evil one does not want this work to go on, and there there is spiritual warfare and spiritual attack, so be praying for them, super excited for them, and oh man, um, let's, uh, let's jump into the topic today. Uh, so we're going to be talking about seminary. And the reason we're going to talk about seminary is because probably uh, whenever I meet somebody who is pondering or considering going into vocational ministry or bivocational ministry, uh, the first thing that they usually ask me about is, like, which seminary should I go to or what should I study in seminary or should I go to Bible college, etc. And that's kind of the first thing that people think about when they began to sense that God may be calling them into ministry in some capacity. And I know that was how I thought as well when I was called into ministry. I remember I was saved, gave my life to Christ when I was 24. And really quickly after that, I sensed that God was calling me to preach the gospel uh, and to give my life to that end. I knew there was nothing else I wanted to do with my life. I just couldn't imagine myself focusing full-time on anything except scripture and on making disciples. And so, the next natural thought for me was, well, I should go to Bible college. And uh, there was a, uh, you know, a small Christian college in Texas that offered a Bible degree, and I thought, perfect, I want to study the Bible. And so, I went and, you know, got my, <clears throat> went to school, got a Bible degree, and and God used that. And, and then uh, through that, experience. I learned about church planting and ended up going to Canada and uh, planted a church with the North American Mission Board there and actually uh, did go to seminary and got my master's degree online uh, while I was in the mission field. Um, But I I remember, man, um, thinking when I went to Bible college, like the, you know, in Texas and the South, kind of the natural like path so to speak, that you kind of see grow, if you grew up around the church or you grew up in that culture is that, well, first you go to Bible college and then you, you get a job as a youth pastor somewhere, right? In a smaller church. And then maybe you get promoted to, you know, being a youth pastor at a bigger church. And I'm saying all this tongue in cheek, by the way, for our listeners. Mm -hmm. So, and then maybe you get, you know, quote unquote promoted to a, you know, a youth pastor at a larger church, or maybe a college pastor, or maybe if you're a really good preacher, you might even become the pastor, the lead pastor at a smaller church. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And you just kind of work your way up the, the ranks, so to speak, because that's what you see, you know, in the, you know, the church culture around you. And uh, it's just funny how that's just kind of how I assumed things were supposed to work going in. And then luckily I started actually reading my Bible and discovering that <laughs> that's not exactly the way that things are just supposed <laughs> to go. And so um, anyways, I thought that talking about the role that seminary plays in preparation for ministry would be important because I think there are pros and I think there are cons and I think there are good reasons to go to seminary. And I think there are not good reasons to go to seminary. And I think that there are certain expectations we should have and, uh, and, and then things we should have our eyes wide open about when it comes to seminary.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, um, You know, I immediately am thinking of something that you're familiar with because you were in the Army as I was in the Army. You know, this um, uh, OCS or ROTC mainly, Mm -hmm. you know, that you would get a fresh lieutenant, second lieutenant, gold bar, butter bar (laughs) into your company. Uh, More than likely, he's a, a, a platoon leader. And uh, he gets matched up with this E7, Sergeant first Class. And that lieutenant has possibly been to some military schools. but primarily for four years he was just getting uh, an academic degree. And if he went through ROTC, there was you know some military training. But the best lieutenants that I saw were the guys who showed up and humbled themselves and looked to that E7, that Sergeant First Class, and said, I, I want you to help me be groomed as a leader mm-hmm. of soldiers.
0: And um, for our listeners, you want to ma- maybe it'd be helpful. Like an E7, a Sergeant First Class would be somebody who's probably put in at least seven or eight years of mm-hmm. time already. They've probably seen some sort of you know, overseas, you know, like action in terms of being in a, you know, a war zone and a brand new second Lieutenant has seen none of that. They don't have any combat experience. They've probably, you know, had very little experience within the military. So just for those listeners who have zero concept of what we're talking about, just wanted to set that. Okay. That's it. Good catch.
1: Good catch. And we're not trying to recruit you into the army. No, Um, but it it is. We're trying to recruit you into the Lord's army. There we go. Mm. There we go. Uh, (laughs) And so there's, there were then those who showed up and acted like they knew better. They had a plan, they had an agenda, and they were ready to do this army thing, this leading of soldiers having no experience, but they had a degree and they had a commission. I have seen this same phenomenon in churches to where a guy will go to a seminary to get, you know, for some it's an MA, but for most, I think it's an MDiv, a master's of divinity degree. And when they're there, they're typically in an academic bubble. They might be a member of a local church, Lord, I hope they're a member of a local church, but they're probably not in leadership at that local church. And because of the academic rigor, they might not even be really involved in much discipleship or evangelistic um, activity. They, they, they might just be solely just studying systematic theology and church history and all of these things. And so then they graduate with this master's of divinity degree. And then they think, I, wrongly, that they are qualified to go and become the primary preaching pastor at some local church. Yep. Um, and... I I fear that the culture, especially in, in the U.S., and first, I want to say I am so thankful for the Southern Baptist Convention and the six seminaries that we have. And we'll get into this later about, you know, pros and cons of seminary. But mm-hmm. um, I think that churches, individual churches have kicked the can mm for pastoral, uh, training to seminaries. And therefore they think that, well, all we need is a, is a guy with an MDiv who can oh, preach. Man. Um, and they don't actually look at what I would say that scripture says that we should look at and, uh, hint, hint, spoiler alert. Uh, it's not a, an academic theological degree, bro. That's so good. Hey, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head.
0: I, I, because I think that you're right. I think that churches have kind of have kind of absolved themselves of the responsibility of training up, uh, you know, pastors and leaders. And like you said, they've kind of kicked that over to the seminaries in the same way. I think that churches far too often have done that with counseling, right? So we, we just send people off to counselors outside the church. And uh, you know, we, instead of doing that hard work of working through that stuff within the local church. So, and I think that you're exactly right and what happens when we have uh, young men uh, and women who are, you know, in seminaries, and they are getting trained there. You know, they're getting good training uh, as far as like academic training goes. They're getting, uh, you know, good education. We've got, like you said, the six SBC seminaries are all great institutions. Uh, they've got great professors. Uh, you know, they teach sound theology, sound doctrine, and all of that. But what can happen is, I think that a lot of times, like we can create monsters at these seminaries. And what I mean by that is, you've got these these really smart, uh, arrogant young people who come out of seminary who have really no practical hands-on ministry experience, but they're way too smart for their own good. And they think that they know, you know, how to do ministry and they know how the church ought to be run. And they, I know how to plant a a church and I know how to, you know, lead a church or I know how to preach and things like that. And, uh, you know, the emphasis gets put on, you know, academic acumen rather than, uh, on, I think what really matters is, can you shepherd people? Can you walk with people? Uh, you know, so I think that what we're, you know, we're kind of probably already alluding to, uh, or we're probably kind of already giving away, you know, what we're going to say here, but I think that seminary education needs to be married to involvement in the local church. Like, real involvement, uh, or else it's not helpful. It actually could be the opposite of helpful. It could end up being harmful, uh, to somebody's development.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, for me, so if someone were to just stop right now and say, okay, well, what's the fix? Or if someone were to, you know, ask us interject. Okay. So if, if there's this issue, what's the fix? I mean, I think the fix, has to be on the local church level because I mean the seminaries I don't think are advocating that hey send them to us, we'll train them and then they come to you ready to go. just go ahead and come the the graduation day and just start picking them off like it's not like <laughs> medical school you know it's no. not go to the recent graduates and just give them a job um, it, it it needs to be, a culture of understanding that character trumps education, you know, that whatever, like if you get a person who has um, a, an MDiv, uh, you know, or even something higher than that, maybe a PhD or a D-man, uh, and maybe they can preach really well, mm-hmm. that while that doesn't necessarily mean that because they spent, you know, three years getting an MDiv and another three years getting a PhD that they aren't qualified. We have to understand that those things don't qualify them, Mm -hmm. that you can have a guy who has no seminary education or even Bible school education. You can have a guy who has an associate's degree who knows the word of God, has godly character and is able to, you know, lead you know if he if if he has a wife if he has children that he leads selflessly and sacrificially like Christ and i mean there's no requirement apart from being able to rightly Teach and handle God's word. Now some would say, well, that means seminary. Well, I don't think that there were any established seminaries in Ephesus when <laughs> Paul tells Timothy to go appoint elders. And I don't even think, honestly, that The elder requirement to be able to teach sound doctrine necessarily means to be a preacher. I think it just means that you're able to guard the good deposit. And if there's false teaching coming into the church, you're able to fight it off with sound teaching. And, you know, if you had a one on one conversation with a new convert and they're trying to figure out what what does this you know, what does this Bible actually say that you're able to teach them? Uh, so that could look any number of ways. But again, I think character is more important than a degree. Um, not to say that that means that, well, then no one who aspires to the office of elders should go to seminary. I just think that churches themselves need to think about what type of man they want to call to the pastorate to lead them. And I think that a lot of churches have been wounded by very charismatic, gifted, strong leaders and preachers uh, with degrees who were lacking in the character department. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more. I think that
0: you know characters got to be uh, prioritized, and I think that a an elder or an aspiring pastor or a church planter can easily get the training that they need within the local church. If they're trained well, I mean, right now, um, we've got a cohort right now of about a dozen guys at our church that are, uh, we're teaching them uh, how to, how to teach and how to preach. Uh, we're teaching them, uh, you know, just some of the basic principles of shepherding, uh, some of the basic principles of what it looks like to be an elder with godly character, uh, you know, teaching them, uh, just, you know, a little bit more in depth, we're we're diving into some systematic theology stuff and, you know, taking them a little bit in on a deeper dive than what we would, you know, maybe ordinarily do, uh, you know, on a Sunday morning from the pulpit, Uh, things like that. And one of the reasons that we do that is to try to help discover potential future elders and potential future church planters and missionaries uh, and people who may be, you know, part of a church planting team or something like that is that we're we're giving opportunities for uh, guys and girls who want to, you know, go deep into, uh, you know, and really explore maybe a call to future ministry or a call to missions, uh, something like that, uh, or a call to leadership in, uh, in our local church. And, uh, you know, I think that providing opportunities like that within the local church is one of the best ways for people to learn. And we're not just doing it in a classroom level. Like there's actually like ministry assignments that we give, like there's, so like some of the things they've got to do, they've got to be, you know, in the community, uh, at least two hours a month, uh, is what we ask them to do, sharing the gospel, going out and doing intentional evangelism. And, uh, there's other ministry projects that we assign them. Uh, and so I, I think things like that, that's what really helps to train ministers. And that's what helps to train, uh, you know, church planters and, and pastors is when you can bring them alongside of you and you can, uh, you know, let you, let them see you, uh, you know, Uh, run a membership class or let them, you know, sit in on a counseling session where you're counseling a church member, you're doing some premarital counseling or, you know, letting them sit in on elders meetings where they, you know, watch as the elders deliberate very difficult decisions as they, you know, lead the church uh, or giving them opportunities to, you know, start to teach and to preach and to, you know, and, and teaching them how to do that. And, uh, you know, just providing opportunities to do so. Um, that That's the primary way that people learn. Um, now, if that is in place, like if there is a, if, if someone, if an aspiring minister is a part of a healthy church where those opportunities exist, then I think that seminary, a seminary as a supplementary tool can be very, very valuable and very effective. And I would highly commend it in that scenario um, because it's not replacing what the local church is tasked to do, it is only adding to it. Uh, and I, I do think that there are a lot of of benefits to seminary. Um, I, I think one of them is that it, it can really help lay a, a theological foundation, uh, because you're going to be challenged, uh, specifically in the amount of reading and in the type of reading that you'll be assigned in seminary. Uh, it's just more rigorous and, uh, generally it's, it's going to be more academic and, uh, you know, less, I don't know, pastoral slash practical, at least in a lot of your classes. Um, and so you're going to be you're going to be assigned to read things that you probably wouldn't read on your own volition uh, in yeah. seminary, uh, and I think that it stretches you. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. What are, What What do you think are some other positives
1: uh, when it comes to seminary? Um, I think the introduction to categories of doctrine that aren't, you know, typically, um, I mean, I just... Trinitarianism, like unless your church is super robust in theology, unless you've got just a really, uh, a pastor who really loves, um, teaching expositionally to such an extent that doctrine is regularly articulated, or maybe there's a good equipping type of ministry on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. I mean, expositional preaching feeds you God's word and you are getting doctrine. But if you take like a systematic theology class or a biblical theology class, In my experience, it it can make you just fall in love with the Bible more. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think of like church history classes as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, getting to just read of how God has used uh, men and women throughout the ages uh, since the time of Acts um, to continue the... Building up of the Church of Christ mm-hmm. and to continue the mission of Christ is super encouraging, but it's also uh, comforting at times because you just see that, uh, you know, when you are a student of history, you, you realize uh, that there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. You know, people have faced issues um, churches have had difficult seasons and especially if you get into individual pastors and church leaders, uh, similar to biblical characters, you really see the, you know, the warts in all of them. Mm-hmm. You just see all their flaws and their mistakes. And, um, you can really, um, when you're in seminary, uh, similar to, I mean, any type of, um, College curriculum, or even if you're bivocational vocational and you say you're a part-time seminarian, uh, there is this. Allocated amount of time where you can really focus on these things, and it just sharpens the tools that uh, hopefully the local church has given you um, through types of ministry preparation and things like that. And yeah. so those those are some things that immediately pop off in my head um, as as being things that have been super beneficial. Uh, and I would go to say, so we we talked about you know the local church. Um, being the the really the developing ground for future seminarians and I think that if you create and, and there's a lot of programs right now that do this with residencies and things like this. but I want to say if you're a local church pastor uh, or you're a leader within the church, uh, I would ask you to consider that if you have just uh, godly, young man or woman in your church who is being trained up in the context of your local church and feels God's calling them to ministry, and they feel like seminary is a natural uh, Bible college or seminary. I think most of the seminaries have uh, Bible colleges uh, at their location, so they could go and get a bachelor's degree and a graduate degree. I would ask you to consider paying for that Like, be willing to invest in their education to not only bless them, but potentially bless your church or at least the kingdom, whatever church they go to. Um, I think that churches need to be more willing to, uh, one, support the seminaries, but support the future seminary in in their midst. Um, And I've seen this uh, happen at One particular church I can think of in the D.C. area that I think both of us are familiar with, they paid for uh, an intern to go and get a master's degree of divinity and then eventually paid for him to go and get a Ph.D. Mm -hmm. And it was for the ability for him to equip the saints at that church. They just knew that, hey, we want you to go for this time to go and get equipped and then come back here and equip us. Um, And I, I just think that's a worthwhile investment any church can make, um, in a very tangible way, yeah.
0: as long as they're not farming out that the you know the responsibility of preparation to the seminary, and I know who you're talking about, and and that they were just very involved in you know this this uh, pastors uh, training and, and education and preparation for the ministry, and so it was you know they rightly see seminary or seminary as supplementary. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I agree, man. I think it can be you know really beneficial, and it can be an investment that churches can make into you know yes the kingdom of God and potentially into their own church as they're, you know, helping continue to equip, uh, well, you know, able bodied, um, you know, men for the ministry. Uh, I think another benefit too, that I would, I would say of, of seminary is that I think that, uh, the discipline that it takes, uh, it really helps to shape character, uh, because it, it, it can be rigorous, especially when it comes to things like studying the languages, uh, Greek and Hebrew, biblical languages. Uh, and I think that, That the challenge of that can be really beneficial and could help teach young uh, men and women uh, how to work hard uh, and how to be diligent and how to study well, how to read their Bibles well, how to focus well and meditate on the Word and uh, study God's Word, uh, which is important, uh, extremely important, uh, because, you know, we've got to be able to keep close a close watch on ourselves and on our teaching, uh, as Paul told Timothy, mm-hmm. because by doing so, we'll save both ourselves and our hearers. Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to be Diligent in uh, those things, and I think that that's a great, uh, you know, benefit to seminary is that it does challenge you and it does stretch you, and uh, I think it can help uh, just build good character and prepare ministers in that way that maybe they wouldn't get challenged uh, if they're, you know, I mean, a lot of. lot of guys are pretty good at being self-taught, uh, and they're pretty, you know, they, they're readers. Um, but I think seminary does challenge you in a way that it's difficult to replicate
1: in other venues. Um, yeah, but well, and even in that, I, one of the things I was thinking is it, um, so they say that it is a self-starter type, a type mm -hmm. who already reads, um, typically you you have a bias yeah, on what you exactly. read and you kind of like you have your niche. And one of the things that's awesome about seminary is um, there's an assigned reading list, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they try to be somewhat comprehensive so that you can get a feel of different um, authors in different areas that might not be in your wheelhouse, which is, um, you know, it, it, I, so I remember taking a like church administration class uh, that covered a wide range of what would be seemingly boring topics (laughs) Uh, to some. to me, it was fascinating. But I remember interviewing a pastor friend of mine uh, about his his kind of. Um, church admin class when he went through seminary and, you know, his experience with administration. And he was like, man, I didn't take one when I went to seminary. And I wish I had because administration is the thing that I'm the weakest at. And so, I mean, a lot of these seminaries now have kind of these programs that allow for you to, get outside of your normal comfort zone and outside of your bubble mm-hmm. uh to really especially in a degree like an an MDiv is is designed and one of the reasons it's so robust is it's designed to give you a lot of um knowledge from different areas whether it's theology or mission or ecclesiology um you know or administration and things like that, counseling to better equip you for the work at hand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, definitely some benefits. And I I think that uh, what I want our listeners to come away with, though, especially those who are listening, who maybe you're considering full time ministry or this is something you've thought about before, maybe you're considering going to seminary, something like that. Um, My, you know, my Counsel to you would be uh, first of all, uh, before you you know make the decision to go into seminary, make sure that you're a part of a healthy local church where you're getting you know discipled well, where you're getting trained, and make sure you've got leadership at your church that you know when you go to them and tell them, hey, you know I think God may be calling me in a ministry and I'd like to explore this, that they're willing to invest in you, that they're not just like, oh, we'll just go to seminary and we'll farm this out to somebody else. Like be in a local church where you're going to get invested in, um, and then. Another thing that I would recommend if you have the ability is I think the best way to go to seminary is to do it while you are, quote unquote, in the field uh, or while you're already, you know, like on mission, so to speak. Like, so... Like be a part of a church plant uh, or, you know, be, it, you know, if you're able to be in some sort of ministry role, whether it's a, as an intern or, you know, like a, uh, you know, a resident somewhere as a part of a residency, if you're able to combine your seminary education with something like that, I think that's the most effective way to do it. So like I, I you know, got my master's degree while I was planting a church in Canada and I got a masters in church planting and it was great because I was learning about the very thing that I was also doing so I was getting hands on experience and I was being mentored you know by by Matt uh, up in Canada while I was also you know getting a more robust you know academic side to the education through seminary uh, and it was a really beneficial experience for me now most most of what I've learned about ministry has been learned in the field. I would say like, probably 95% of it. Uh, and, you know, the rest was, you know, at, at seminary. There were some things that seminary taught me, but m- the vast majority of what I've learned has just from been from the experience of like, uh, you know, doing ministry, oftentimes falling on my face, you know, trying things that didn't work, uh, having difficult conversations, enduring disappointments, uh, you know, being, being turned on uh, by other, you know, believers or, you know, having people, you know, leave your core team while you're planting or, you know, having disciples that you baptize fall away from the faith. Like those are things that like, you can't really be taught how to respond to that. Well, in seminary, it, it, the only way you're going to learn those things is by experience is by doing it. And so, um, that would be my, my counsel, uh, to somebody is like find opportunities to try to combine, uh, you know, field experience with an academic education.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the difference between theoretical and practical. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're learning the theoretical, it's in it's in a sterile kind of environment. It's, it's it, everything looks great on paper, mm-hmm. um, but you really don't understand how that translates to real life until you get into the field. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is just tremendous advice about. Being a part of a you know a local church plant or a local church, um, and I mean, so that if we're recommending to future seminarians that, I mean, there's also just the ability to do online seminary now. And there's a lot of pushing uh, for, you you know, local churches to be a part of the seminary education of future ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you're, you know, if you're a local church pastor, I would just really ask you to consider how could your church, you know, do that? Um, Could you, you know, do you have The bandwidth to be able to start some form of residency, um, you know, or a pastoral internship. And I mean, that can look Grassroots that can just look like. Do you have people who aspire? Uh, if you don't know, then start. At, you know, mm-hmm. start from the pulpit, saying, "Look, we believe that God's calling people to lead um, in ways uh, that will bless others and build the kingdom." And so, if you feel like you know God is calling you into ministry or calling you to missions or calling you uh, to lead, I mean, the aspirational aspect of elders. You know, are you are you? making that something that is at the local church level and not someone thinking, well, that means I have to go and quit my job and go be a vocational pastor and go to seminary for three years is like, what if that actually meant that you just started reading books with the pastor and having conversations intentionally. And then, you know, when you go and do a, a, a late evening pastoral visit, you go and contact that person Mm -hmm. or when you're doing sermon preparation, you ask that person if they want to come and just join in or, you know, uh, in, in any number of ways that you can invest. And then if you're the person who's aspiring, uh, and you're a part of a church that you love and equips you, see if this is something that they could do. You know, if, if they would consider taking you on as an intern or a resident or approach your pastor and see if they would be willing to, you know, invest in you with intentionality towards this. And there are so many resources. So if you're in this situation, whether you are a pastor who is thinking that you'd love to know more about what this, um, how this would look in your context, uh, we can, you know, we would love for you to contact us, uh, so that we can get you resources or connect you with people, um, like Clint Clifton and other churches that we know that have, um, various types of residencies and internships. And then if you're, uh, you know, uh, believer, you know, uh, who feels that you want to go into ministry, uh, but you want to do it in partnership with your local church. You can, you know, ask us for, uh, experiences. I think we both have experienced that context. So I did seminary online, just like you, uh, completed a master's degree online while in the context and, uh, of a local church. And I, I can even imagine Doing it the other way, not saying that the other way is not good, but you don't have to move and you don't even have to do it full time. Like this is one of the things that I feel like some people might feel is this impulse that, well, I'm too old or I couldn't do this. I have to support my family. I mean, there have been seasons to where I was, you know, active duty military. Serving as a stu- interim student minister at a l- small Baptist church, and doing one class of seminary at a time, and I mean it. It and uh, similar to you, uh, Jared. It was like it was immediately applicable, mm-hmm. and so I mean it can look any number of ways, but just I think I. I'm uh driving home what you were saying in the fact that the local church needs to be involved. And so whether you lead a local church uh and you're wanting to establish more of an intentional way to be involved uh in bringing about future leaders in concert with seminary or you're a local are you a local church member who's thinking about going to seminary, you know, you should be involved, actively involved in a local church, and people should be actively involved in you um, developing as a future future gospel minister. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely agree with that. And I want to reiterate again that I think that if you're considering, you know, a future in ministry or considering, you know, whether or not God may be calling you into ministry, whether that's even if it's lay ministry, like even if you plan to have a, a, a secular vocation, but you want to be highly involved in church planting or the local church and you want to supplement that with a seminary education, I would highly encourage you to go like look for an opportunity to prayerfully be a part of a church planting team. Uh, Like if you're a young person in college or recently graduated college, I know actually the North American mission board has a program called go to, and basically they've got this emphasis right now. It's actually the IMB and the North American mission board. You can do this uh, either uh, domestically or internationally. And the idea is that you commit to give your first 2 years out of college cuz most people when they graduate college they're thinking about what city do I want to settle down in well instead of thinking about it that way think about well where can I move to leverage my life for the kingdom for the first 2 years out of college cuz a lot of times when you're first graduating you've got a lot of flexibility you're not tied down anywhere yet so why not move to a place of need and go be a part of a church planting team or go help a church plant for the first couple of years as you get your career started and, you know, and then do that for a lifetime. Uh, you know, so even something like that, it, if, you know, if you're doing something like that and then you supplement that with seminary, I can, I think it can be extremely uh, beneficial. But um, either way, you definitely want to, uh, you know, to couple those two things together. Um, don't, um, I've got a, we've got an intern, a church planning intern right now at our church. And I remember, I remember, or like last year when we were talking with him about what he should do. And he, he want, he has a de- desire to go to seminary and he was like, well, should I, uh, And he's never been a part of a church plan or anything until he got here. And he's like, well, should I go to, you know, to seminary first and then, you know, move. Cause he wants to plant in Washington, DC. And I just told him, no, man, I was like, seminary is not going to prepare you to plant a church in Washington, DC. What's going to Prepare you to plant a church in Washington D.C. is to move to Washington D.C., be a part of a healthy church plant, and get mentored, and then start doing seminary to supplement that. That's what's going to prepare you to plant a church in Washington D.C. And so, uh, praise God, that's what He's doing. He's here now, and and uh, and we'll we'll get him set up with seminary at some point. But even that is kind of like a right now focus on learning what it means to be a healthy church member,
1: how to make disciples, how to share the gospel, all that stuff. And then we'll supplement so it with what's that. So what's funny about this is I'm not sure if this person, I'm not going to name names, but I'm not sure if they listen to this podcast, I might share it with them or someone who knows this person might share it with them. There's a young man who's attached to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, he's come here before, just feels like God's burdened him to come to Iceland. And he, on one of his visits, he and I were talking and the, the counsel I gave him because his thing was like, should I go to seminary residentially mm-hmm. and finish my MDOF and then come to Iceland. I was like, bro, <laughs> like I I mean, I'm not saying no to that if that's what God's calling you to, but that wouldn't be my counsel. Mm-hmm. My counsel is, you know, you can enroll and do a class at a time and move here and, you know, start serving the Lord here in this local context. And I mean I, I I feel like, again, there's this culture of, well, I can't enter the mission field until I finish like a Bible yep. college or seminary degree. And it's like, that is not true. Nope. You know, that if, if you are a Christian, if you're listening to this and you're 12 years old and you're a Christian, you've been called to make disciples. You are called to be an ambassador for Christ. Uh, and so it, it, we don't need to put on more of a yoke than what is required and academic education mm-hmm. while being beneficial is not no. essential. It's because and so, dude, there's this girl, there's a, there's a, a,
0: a newer believer, a uh, woman at our church, uh, who just, I love her. Uh, she's been a believer for about a year and it's just been awesome to watch her grow. And like, she's just like on fire, like sharing the gospel, like just, has a powerful testimony, and I was just thinking as you're talking, I'm like, man, she, <laughs> she doesn't have any seminary education or anything like that. Has been a believer for a year, and if you were to ask her, she would say like, I don't know anything, but bro, she's more spiritually mature than a lot of pastors I know in this city. Like, I literally know pastors who I would any day of the week entrust her to be by my side going out to, you know, share the gospel and to be on mission than some of the pastors in our city who are very highly educated in seminaries. Oh. And I mean, I think that's just underscoring our point. Like that uh, academic education is not the, we treat it like it's the be all end all, like that's the most important thing. And we, hi, you know, and churches hire pastors based off of that. And, uh, you know, it's just... Yeah. It's just not the main thing. So, I mean, we could keep beat, beating this dead horse, but I think we've kind of gotten the point across to our
1: listeners. And at least I hope yeah, so. so and I th- yeah. And one of the things I was going to say is, I mean, I'm very pro seminary, so sure. I, I, I plan to get many more. I'm working on a second master's degree at a seminary. I plan to get at least one, if not two doctorates from a seminary. Dang. Lord willing. And so this is coming from someone who's pro it. This is also but, coming from somebody who has self-admitted that they can be overly ambitious just going to say yes yes so so this (laughs) it might not um thank you for that it might not come to fruition uh my my ambition my over ambition means uh or at least the conviction of it means that i'm not trying to do this in three years my goal is like in 15 (laughs) years to maybe finish these degrees um while all the while so here's the thing understanding that if i finish none of them that's okay meaning like if you're listening to this and you feel like and I've said it again, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. If you feel like seminary is essential for you to enter the mission field, it is not. It is beneficial, but if it's in the context of a local church, that seminary divorced from local church has the potential to create in you a theological theologically sterile kind of understanding of ministry. And uh, what Jared and I can tell you from local church experience is that um, people are messy. Churches are messy. And, you know, uh, seminary can equip you, but it can't prepare you not fully. And so just dig in, you know, get involved in a local church, give yourself to just, um, loving people and serving people. And if God gives you the opportunity to go to seminary, uh, you know, do it. Uh, If you feel Mm -hmm. like that is something that you would like to do and it would benefit any ministry calling on your life, but don't feel like, well, I don't have seminary education, so I can't do X, Y, Z. It's like, nope. Uh, If you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and empowered with his Holy Spirit, uh, you are called to be an ambassador. You're called to be a minister of reconciliation. So get in the mission field. Yeah, it's a good point. That's one one of the main reasons I got my degree was
0: because I was already a missionary with the North American Mission Board and they paid for most of it. So, uh, you know, I mean that's just, if you have an opportunity, like Logan said, then that might be, you know, a time when you should seriously consider it. And one of the main reasons I did it is because I felt like, well, it would kind of be silly for me to not go get my degree, seeing as it would essentially be almost completely paid for. And so I felt like being a good steward of opportunity meant availing myself of it and getting that degree. So, well, uh, we want to thank you guys, our listeners for tuning in to another episode of in the trenches. We hope today's episode was encouraging to you. If it was helpful to you and if you feel like it might be helpful to somebody else, we would be honored if you would share this episode with other people and uh, pass on the end of the trenches podcast uh, to other church planters or people interested in church planting, so that they can uh, just also uh, benefit from uh, the the content that we've got. Uh, you can always go and listen to other past episodes on our website www. I com. Got tons of content on there. We've got regular blog posts going up on the blog, so please check that out out uh, and make sure to share it with others Uh, we're going to be back next monday with another episode of in the trenches so until then get out there and get in those trenches church planters and pastors